Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everybody, to the 73rd episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show, and I hope that all of you moms listening are getting some much-needed time for rest and recreation, but many of you are still hemmed in from COVID and have had to cancel your summer plans, and the teens in your homes are getting restless. So if you need some support right now, I have room for a few of you in my private mom coaching. And I can give you some practical strategies and support to get you through the summer. And you can email me at Colleen at DialDownTheDrama.com, two L's and two E's. Today, we're going to talk about something that I know, moms, that you worry about, and that's sexting. And to talk about this, I brought in two experts, Heather Boynton, who is a mother of four and three who are currently teens, and that's your real credential, (laughs) and um, is a professor of child development at Clovis Community College, where she teaches a variety of classes, including child and adolescent development. And Christy Monson, who has an MS in counseling psychology, a marriage and family therapist from University of Nevada at Las Vegas. She established a successful counseling practice in Las Vegas, Nevada, where she works with children and their families. Christy's written several books, and her last book she co-authored with Heather Boynton, uh, which is called Stand Up to Sexting, an Open Conversation Between Parents and Kids. Now, I have been a family therapist for decades, and I've seen many girls who suffered from the aftermath of sexting and all the consequences to the girl, the boy, the family, his family, her friends, his friends, and the school district. Most of these girls were talked into, and I would call often bullied, into sending nude pictures. These boys, most of them older, threatened them, and these girls felt like they didn't have a choice. These girls were promised that the boys would not share their pictures, only to have their pictures shared to multiple middle schools and high schools in the school district. These girls would be brought to see me by their moms with their heads down in shame. They were utterly humiliated. And what I saw over and over again is that these girls weren't bad girls. They were good girls. They were naive girls, and they were scared girls. And I know that also applies to boys. Many just didn't know what to do or say. They felt backed into a corner and thought the only option was to send the picture. And that's why we are going to talk about stand up to sexting. So welcome, Heather and Christy. Thank you. So let me just start off. Um, So why, and and each of you can kind of answer this question. Uh, Why did you write Stand Up to Sexting? Why is this important to you? I don't mind going first. Um, So I I feel like technology, I've got, like I mentioned, three teens right now. Um, Technology is changing so rapidly. Um, Life is moving at a faster pace and, you know, really the time with our children feels limited. They're going and pulled in so many different directions. And I think the last thing that we want to talk about or know how to talk about are things like sexting. 
Um, but we do know that it's so critical, you know, from an early age that we really open up those channels of communication so that they know that they can come to us when they have a concern. Um, I have a daughter. She was uh, my oldest daughter when she was a freshman in high school, actually came home from school. Um, and she was, it was the first thing she came through the door. And the first thing out of her mouth was mom, I need to talk to you. And she shared an experience that she'd had in the girl's bathroom that morning at school. Um, one of her friends had re uh, received multiple requests for nude pictures from several of the boys at her school. Most of them, um, the popular athletes, um, and her friend was visibly shaken up. Uh, you know, she came out of the stall and she was just sitting there by the, by the bathroom mirror. Um, this girl later learned that it had been a competition between these peers to see how many nude pictures they could get. Um, and frankly, her friend did not know what to do. Um, my daughter asked if, you know, if she had told her mom and she said, no, she didn't want her parents to find out. Um, you know, my friend's daughter or my daughter's friend is not alone. Um, in there's a Texas high uh, school survey that basically says 28% of, uh, children or adolescents have sent nude photos of themselves and another 31% had requested a sex message and 57% had asked for a sexual text. So I think we have to talk about these uncomfortable topics. Um, our time is limited. So we have this book that makes it really easy for parents and children to kind of open up, you know, kick open the doors and, and open up that dialogue. Awesome. The, re the reason this book is, is important is because it, 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 it facilitates the dialogue between parents and children. They can look at, they can read these stories, which really are innocent stories, and then they can talk about them and what's, and then if this opens up the conversation and they can talk about what is really going on in their own lives. So I, I just think it's very important to open up the dialogue. Yeah. What I was impressed with is these stories feel very real. They don't feel like contrived or made up. They feel like these stories have happened. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And, and they have happened. I, I got, I gleaned quite a few of the ones that I wrote for my grandchildren, um, including the American Girl doll. And I, that was just so scary to me. Oh, um, yeah. You want to tell uh, that story? Yeah. What happened is this, this girl was young. She was just um, 12 and she had to be on 13 to be able to get on Facebook. And she decided she just would put a false name up and, and just go a few months early because her birthday wasn't too far away. And so she got involved with some other girl, supposedly, who had an American Girl doll that she wanted to see. And so she, was, she got out of school and she was going to go to the park to meet this girl so she could see this new American Girl doll. And her mother happened to pick her up on the way and told her she forgot about a dentist appointment that she had. And so when they got uh, her, and she was upset at her mom because she really wanted to go see this doll. So her mom said, well, let's drive by and we'll tell the girl we'll see her the next day. Well, when they got to the park, there was a, a, a pedophile there with the doll waiting for the girl. So it was, uh, mm, and both so mom scary. and kid were scared to death. Mm, 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 what a nightmare. Um, so like what age is this book geared for? I think I mean, we kind of went back and forth on that, right? It's such, such a subjective, you know, topic and, and when you feel like your child's ready. Um, we kind of gave an age range of, you know, between 10 and 13. Um, but I think, you know, I default to the parents and when they feel like, you know, their child is, is ready for that. Um, having a cell phone, I think is something to consider. Our children have cell phones so early and I think you really have to prepare them for, you know, the weight of that responsibility that they, you know, are going to be um, sent messages. And, and I think that's a really 
um, really important time to have conversations about, you know, maybe sexting's not the first conversation uh, when they get that cell phone, but certainly shouldn't be too far behind. I, 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 go ahead. I agree with that. I, I think that, that it depends on the child, but I do think it needs to be younger rather than older because of the time you get to high school, it's too late. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I totally agree. Uh, I, I love what you said in terms of if they're getting a, a cell phone, they need to be having this conversation. And I, I think this book is really child and uh, middle school friendly. Uh, it, it's really well done. Uh, I think, I, I just think you're going to be super successful with this book. Would y'all want to tell kind of how you structured it, how you structured the book? Well, the book is structured um there's some research in the beginning that I'm going to let Heather talk about in a minute. And then we've got stories and then the kids can, there's some questions that they can answer after what would this, what would the person in the story, could they do differently? What should they have done differently? How could they, who could they talk to about whatever happened so that there are some pertinent questions about each one of the stories that the kids and parents can talk about. And I just feel like it's very important for the parents to listen when this happens. They don't need to shame the kids into talking about it, which, which I have found several times in my practice. Kids didn't say anything because the parents said, now, don't you dare. And so then there the communication was cut off. And, and Heather, what a wonderful compliment to you that your kids would come to you and say, hey, mom, what should I do about this? That was perfect. Yeah. I think they're, they're used to lots of awkward conversations and uh, <laughs> me asking <laughs> What words have you learned today at school? I don't want to hear about school. I want to hear the words. And my mind has been blown on more than one occasion, uh, what comes out of their mouth. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I think this is uh, really helpful. And, you know, Christy, you and I are both marriage and family therapists. And, and to have to facilitate that conversation, because these girls, every and I've just seen girls who've come in. That's the mothers who brought the girls in. And I've seen a lot of girls. Um, and they really, they truly did not know what to say. Yeah. And they were truly bullied, like um, like you were saying about in the bathroom, like um, like they're going into a new school and we're going to tell everybody you're this way or we're going to take, you know, your face and put a porn body and send it out everywhere um, we're, you know, just threat after threat after threat. And they just thought it would be easier to send the picture. They didn't know what to do. And, and we have to, I mean, these, especially the, these young 10 to 13 year olds, they, they don't know. And they do feel blackmailed, especially around popularity or their own, um, image, self-image. The, the pressure is tremendous. The pressure is tremendous. I had one of my students uh, at uh, a university I taught at that shared out. I mean, she, this is probably six years after her um, initial blackmailing photo was sent out. And she talked about her journey in those six years to just recovering from that. Um, it was a horrific thing. And, and, and the fact that she was even able to share it in front of a, a large class um, was a testament to just the, the the leaps and bounds that she had made in, in coming from this horrific situation. I think um, that's what that's what parents, we, we have a responsibility to help our children forecast and see what those dangers are. Um, and having the conversations is where we start. 
And Colleen, I love what you said. The kids need to be able to have uh, some sentences put together of what am I going to say when this happens? Well, this, I can say this, or I can say this, so that they will know ahead of time what they can do so that they can avoid these kind of situations. I, I do think as we talk about this, though, that we have to include the, the law enforcement. I was really surprised when I got into this that the police officer just talked to me, uh, from a middle school police officer just talked to me straight up. I mean, they can, it, it, kids can get a misdemeanor or a felon uh, at a young, young age because of these kind of things. So, mm -hmm. so we have to talk about the law getting involved and the girls have to realize that they do have the law behind them in this because this is illegal. Yeah. 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 So, well, since we're, we're kind of here, I mean, I have a, my list of questions, but since we're here, okay. what, what are, what are some things what can girls say? What can, what can they say? What are some things that, because I think every mom here is like, what do what would I tell my my daughter? What would be some scripts? What could they say? To me, the way to, to structure this is that you, as you open up a dialogue between the parent and child and you say, what could you say? Or how will you talk about this? And, and then the child comes up with whatever. And then you can, you can back them in whatever. Oh, Heather, sorry, I cut you off. No, I was going to say exactly the same thing. I think that's where my heart ached. And my, when my daughter came home with that example of the girl in the bathroom, she didn't want to tell her parents. And so here she's stuck in this, on this island by herself where she now is in the middle of it and has no, she has no one to go to. And I think mm -hmm. that's the real danger. If you've got a parent that you can have that back and forth dialogue and say, you know, because every situation is so unique, um, you know, I don't, I I wouldn't want to project like a contrived statement that this is what you say. No, I don't do that. Right. But I think, I think that's the power when we have these conversations with, you know, our children young, that they know that they can come and we can, we absolutely have done role-playing in our family. Um, and it feels weird at the beginning, but they also know that like they can practice saying those words right. or, you know, before they actually have to give it to someone else. So I think it's really important. I piggyback yeah. on Christy saying. Yeah, and I think maybe breaking it down into the components too of like, um, like even a question like if if you weren't scared, what would you say? Yeah, or or that's even great. that's great. Or even having them name what they're afraid of. Yeah, because because they're put in these kind of psychological dilemmas. And if you help them break that down, and I, then I think we can be very helpful as moms to name what that is. Well, you know what that is? That's called bullying. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. You know, um, all right. So let's see. So Heather, I'm going to bombard you with several questions and you okay. can talk about whatever you want to talk about here. Sure. But well, I ju just getting off this call with with this mom who's concerned. Her daughter's her down. Um, she is is definitely playing with. We don't know exactly what the daughter is doing, but uh, but she has been invited to meet somebody that she doesn't know. She has six thousand people on a TikTok account that her mom didn't know existed, mm. and she's thirteen. Uh, and, uh, it feels like she's very addicted and is losing sleep because she can't stay off of it. So can you talk a little bit about, um, I mean, are these, 
young girls and boys like more vulnerable to sexting and 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 is it more addictive? I mean, or we could use whatever word you want to say. Yeah. Um, and how that affects the brain. I'm a little brain geek, so I love yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and 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 I know you have a, a section in here in terms of what's the problem with sexting. So yeah, that's a bunch of questions. Okay, so I love the brain science too. And I, I think actually that teenagers do too. I think sometimes we we try and dumb things down for them, but I think it's actually super important that we explain that there's like chemical things happening in their brain that are wiring them and that are gonna make things even more difficult than for them in the future. And that's something, that, um, even in my classes, it's funny when I just attended a brain conference in San Francisco this last uh, February, and I brought it back to my class and they're like, can we just talk about the brain? Um, the brain is so complex and I think um, we don't give it enough credit or we don't tie these emotional and social issues to, back to the brain. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so the chemical re uh, relationship and things that are happening in the brain really tie back, and the book talks about this, to this chemical called dopamine. And we all know about dopamine, right? It's this pleasure-seeking chemical. Um, but the part that we, you know, we always think, I think of it in terms of, you know, oh, the bad things, the addictions to, you know, to drugs. Um, but ultimately, it also ties directly back with social media, checking your Instagram. If anyone has had it, I have a teenager right now. It is a conversation that we have daily. Like 30 minutes ago before I came on the call, <laughs> we talked about like, <laughs> how much time have you been on today? Um, and it's, you know, she doesn't like it when I call her out or when I ask those questions initially. But um, the reality is that she's going there because it feels good. Right. So, um, dopamine, um, causes you to want it, it causes you to desire to seek out and search. And it ultimately creates these reward seeking loops in the sense that, you know, you want to keep repeating those pleasurable behaviors, whether that is sexting, whether that is checking Instagram or whether it's taking drugs. And ultimately the more we, um, we hop on that loop, we start to actually develop dopamine channels, which makes it you know, more and more difficult to, to get off that. And, uh, and that's ultimately how addictions are formed. And I think that's what we need to be talking about with our children that like, Hey, this isn't just a, it's not a good, healthy thing. It's, you know, there, there's lots of ramifications and legal things are part of it, but I think we need to help them really understand what's happening in their bodies. Um, because nobody's exempt from that. Everybody experiences those same things. And um, I love to eat. Food is like my favorite thing ever. Um, and, you know, it's it's no different than like me sitting down to an In-N-Out cheeseburger and wanting to, you know, but with food, typically for most of us, our body goes, oh, that's enough. I'm going to be done for now. But with sexting, with sexually explicit material, our body, that high just keeps coming. And we don't have that sensor that says, oh, man, I'm really, really full. It's like, that felt good. Let's do some more. And then we amplify that. And so... Um, that do it again sensation really um, heightens that possibility of a relapse even long after the behavior has stopped. So um, they are as addictive as, as drugs. So. so that's what can keep these kids up really late at night. All night long. It's a high. It's a high. I mean, when I eat a delicious cheeseburger and fry, I feel amazing in that moment, right? You're like, oh, that felt great. It's even more so, right? Um, when you've got you know, it's, it's that dopamine is in full swing and you can access it. If you've got that phone tethered to your hand, you can access that any time. If, if, if it's not controlled, it can, it can access it anytime. And that's the danger, right? Yeah, no, that's great comparing it to like eating a hamburger versus just, it's never satisfied. And especially when you, you combine 
you could, like you said, you can get dopamine from just reading a text and then yep. you combine that with sexuality. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's intense. It's super intense. Yeah. Talk about like the boyfriend and girlfriend. And if what I've heard is like, if we're going to take our relationship to the next level, right. Yeah. Is it like, then we need to send a picture. Yeah. So have you heard that? I have my, that was the exact <laughs> situation my student shared um, was that was that measure of intimacy. Like that was my commitment to you, right? Like this is now it's, it, it's so ironic that it's so superficial and so such a fleeting thing that, you know, this is this mark of, you know, a value, a valued relationship, but absolutely that is um, it it's blackmail, right? It's like, give me what I need. It's a very selfish um, piece of relationship. And we know that any relationship, uh, that is going to be lasting cannot be built on self selfish motives. And so, you know, how telling our children early on that that's never going to be a mark of a good, healthy relationship when someone is requiring you to do something um, that is putting you at risk in any way. Um, and so, yeah, that exact situation that happened with my student and it didn't go well. It went through the high school and uh, she ended up moving schools um, because it was so horrific and she couldn't, she couldn't get past it. So, yeah. Yeah. So Christy, what, what would you, what could moms say to their, their, their daughters about like the relationship? Like how could they address that? Well, one of the things that, that I put in the book specifically because I felt like it was so important is how you choose a friend and it's in there uh, with a, a little bullying story, but I think we keep the people that we don't really trust in outer circles and the people that are acquaintances we'll put in the next circle in and the really close friends we put in that intimate circle and as kids I think we have to talk about this with our parents um, we're just learning about relationships we don't come with a socialization ticket we have to learn to socialize and so uh, it's important for us to try on a lot of different relationships until we find relationships that work and so I did put it there is a story in there about a uh, couple of kids in junior high that were that were close that did sect did send some sexting pictures back and forth and then the girl wanted to move out of the relationship as she got into high school because she wanted to explore some other relationships and the boy was angry and blasted her picture all over every place so there again is the same situation that heather is talking about so i think we have to we have to teach that principle to our children of how we choose friends and to keep it out in those outer rings until we are really ready to move into an intimate relationship. We don't want it built on that, like you said. I think that that's very important. Yeah. When I'm talking to the teens, often they feel like if I'm doing it online, then it's not real. Like it's not bad. <laughs> Dang digital footprints. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> It's, well, it, I feel like there's this comfort because that phone is with them or that tablet, whatever they're using, it's with them so often. Um, and so few people in their, you know, in their, they can't, it, unless your family is actively checking on you, um, it does feel like you're kind of out just, it's, it's just out in space, right? Um, or it's just between you and your close friends. And um, that's, that's something that we talk about in this book is that, you know, it's, it's absolutely not. Um, it has lasting for the rest of your life that digital footprint is there um it it never ever goes away and um, we just have to be you know I'll share one little brief experience and this is very um 
you know, benign experience, but my daughter, um, she has an Instagram account. We, we were really slow in letting her have social media and kind of like tiptoed into it. Um, and just recently she doesn't have many posts up yet, but she just recently we had gone to the coast and she had gone with my daughter and they wanted to take pictures of themselves. And, um, she, uh, in the past, she has a disease called cystic fibrosis. And so she's typically used it to like raise awareness about the disease. But this post that she posted just recently was of her kind of like posing. And she did these, what they call like duck lips, right? Like kissy yeah. lips. And, um, and I asked her, I said, tell me, tell me about that picture that, um, that's not, you. I've never seen you walk around the house with like duck lips. Like I just, that's not who you are. Tell me about that. And and she's like, well, everyone does. It. It's not a big deal. So initially she was kind of defensive about it. And um, I think she maybe forgot that I even check on her Instagram account or that it's linked to my account. But um, anyway, um, it kind of came down to, uh, she said, well, you know what? I, I like it when people like my pictures and everyone puts pictures like that out there. And I think there is a sense of like, like everyone's doing it in this, you know, digital world, this Instagram, this, you know, TikTok, whatever, you know, platform they're using. And, um, it can, it, it creates a false sense of security of like, it's just what everyone does. And, um, that's dangerous. And I think we have to be really intentional. And ultimately our conversation was like, is that, is that who you are? Is that what you want to portray is that you're this like seductive kissy? That's not who you are. So don't just do what everyone else is doing because everyone else is doing it. So that's good. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. I mean, don't you think that a lot of teens too, besides they just don't think about digital footprints, but they also like with Snapchat, they think those pictures just go away. Till someone sideswipes <laughs> and saves the picture. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> right, right, yep. right. Yep. Um, and then I love that y'all put uh, a section in about bystanders. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Because I've, I mean, I've heard stories too of that and they don't know what to do. So can you talk about bystanders? I I think it's just really important that, um, and the story's about a little girl that goes to a party and she really feels uncomfortable and she'd like to leave. She has decided ahead of time that she's not going to drink, but yet the the party gets more, the kids get more drunk and more drunk. And then then finally the police are called in and she is standing at the side and is scared to death because she's going to get called in with the police because she is in some of those pictures. And so again, I think we have that dialogue with our kids. Well, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? And in the story specifically, I put an older brother who said, I wouldn't go to that party. I don't go to those parties because there's a lot of drinking and drugs that go on at those parties. And that's when we get the situations like Heather was talking about where, where we can have a, a, a rape sext around that's just horrible for kids and, and does follows them for, for the rest of their lives. So I think I, I put that older, older brother in there. And so then we could go back and have that conversation. Here's an older kid that sees what's going on. So, so listen to your peers, listen to the older kids, have this conversation as parents and children so that you really can plan ahead what to do because they are caught sometimes. Heather, do you want to add to that? Um, I was trying to think about just, I keep defaulting back to both my own experiences and my kids' experiences. And um, 
the reality is, is that, you know, when, when we started this book, I started kind of polling both the students on my campus and, and students um, at my daughter's high school, just informally, just wanted to know what their thoughts were on it. And I, I, I would just ask them, you know, what, what percentage, if you had to guess, like what percentage of, of students or, you know, your age are kind of getting involved in this, what would you say? And I, I'm not joking. Every single one of them said a hundred percent people that didn't even ask for anything, right? Like the sex comes in. She says, I remember one, one of the uh, girls, she's a senior. She just graduated. Um, I said, I, have you ever, have you ever received a sex? And she says, are you kidding? Yes, of course I have. I said, have you, but, but and we're close. I said, but I mean, you haven't, have you asked? Have you, she goes, Heather, they've, they just get sent. People blast them. They just go mm -hmm. out. And so you're, you are privy to stuff that you never even wanted to get because you're a contact on someone's, you know, on someone's, uh, you know, contact list in their phone. And so I think we have to have those conversations too, that um, even if your child doesn't have a phone, even if they are not present at, a, at an event or party, they are, they are going to see stuff that they uh, like sexting, like sex messages because other people do. And what do you do? I, I remember I, uh, my daughter coming home from school again, her freshman year, freshman year was rough, freshman year. And it was a horrific video that was posted. Um, she didn't even have her phone. She couldn't take her phone to school at that point, she, but her friend had, and it was a horrific video on YouTube of, um, of a human having sex with an animal. And she heard all this hoopla and they were all in a circle. And she looked over the shoulder of a, uh, one of her friends and this video was playing and she was absolutely horrified. She called me from school, like in tears um, and said, mom, this is something I saw. I, you know, I can't believe it. This, it was so horrific. Um, so, you know, we think that we protect our children or some people may say, I don't, I don't have a phone, but their, your child is going to have exposure, whether it is on their own phone, um, uh, that they've, you know, whether they've elicited it or it's just come to them, um, they will just inevitably, they're going to see things. It's, it's just going to happen. And so we have to have conversations all the time. Yeah. Well, and I, th I think this conversation about bystanders, because I had a client who, you know, she was like going, going into high school, but was at a party that was unsupervised. And one girl was drunk and she kind of saw the guy was having sex with her. Mm -hmm. And like, what do you do? Yeah. And so these are the things that I think moms that we have to have conversations with our girls, because I think if, if a girl just feel doesn't have enough oomph to take a stand, um, you know, how we can talk about confidence and give them some choices of to stand up against something like that when they see their friend is uh, being taken advantage of, of them right in front of their eyes. Totally. And I think all of us, I mean, think of on the medical side, prevention is always going to be more effective than, you know, that in the moment training. And so that's really what this book is about is that preventative element, right? And not yes. that we can't help children, you know, later on, we absolutely can, and we should continue. It's never too late to have conversations, but this book is really geared towards those early conversations so that, you know, we're not getting into those places, right? Or if we are, we know exactly what to do because, you know, we've had, we've had that dialogue. Yeah. So, uh, so, so both of you can maybe talk about this is, um, like what, what should a mom say to, to their daughters or, or sons about 
sexting and cy- and cyberbullying. Is there some main points we should talk about? Well, I, I think as, as Heather has said, I think if we open up the communication with kids, and I think that there's a basic underlying trust that we have to develop. And, and I've got an example in there of a flaky Jake, which is doesn't have anything to do with this cyberbullying. But it, if the trust is there between parents and children, and we work to develop this trust, then the kids are going to feel confident enough that they can come to us and talk about it. Um, I, I, I think that we can't avoid the the police part of this, I think it's important that kids realize that this can go on their records and not only do they have the digital footprint, but then there they've got that record that will follow them if, if they get involved in these kind of things. I just think it's very important that we um, not, we don't want to use the scare tactics, but I think that they, that they can develop a, a, a dialogue so that they know what they're going to say. Cause if they do see somebody in the middle of a rape, what do, what do you do? How do you handle that? What do you say? I mean, that's a horrible thing to have to to talk to a young kid about, but it's something that we need to be able to address because it is happening out there. Yeah, yeah. One of the chapters in our book, it's actually chapter 10, talks about, you know, what if I make a mistake? And I think going back to being a bystander and and to Christy's point is um, that mistakes are going to happen, right? Even with the best of dialogue, with the, you know, the conversation ultimately are kids are going to, we all made mistakes, right? Um, and so I think um, one of the things that we really tried to focus on is, is helping them, you know, this happened. Now, what can we, you know, what can we do about that? And there's an example of um, a boy named Remy in it. And, and there's some questions afterwards to kind of help them walk through that process. And I think that's really what our goal was in this is that taking them through all the different elements of sexting, you know, from what it does to your brain, what the lasting legal implications are, um, how to have these conversations, but also like when things don't go well or cyberbullying does happen or you're a victim or you've actually participated, what what are your next steps for you? Um, and so I think that's we, there's a whole gamut of, of situations in the book that kind of help parents walk through wherever their child's at. Yeah, that's good. The other, th- the other thing that I think that Heather has just mentioned that we really need to emphasize is we're taking these kids out of the hiding and shame, just like you did with that first. They're not going to hide it because it's a secret that holds the power. And so as we take it out and talk about it and that, yeah, I messed up. I as a parent mess up. You as a parent mess up. We all mess up once in a while. Then you see they're going to feel it's taken the power out of it and they're going to feel like they can talk about it. And that is the really the whole underlined meta message of the book. Let's talk about it so that we take away the power of the secret. Mm, Well said, well said. So I think that some of the moms listening are like, like, oh my gosh, where would my teens like, like find predators? Like, where are they? Everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) You know, I think, you know, obviously they're everywhere. You hear things in the news and, um, it's terrifying. And I, I actually, I'm an eternal optimist. And so I don't, I, you know, with my own kids, I, I don't really focus on, you know, those outliers. Um, you know, we know that the bulk of like child abuse happens, like what 96% of it happens with people that are close to them. And I think with something like this, with any kind of, um, 
these intimate types of situations, the reality is, is that it's probably going to be happening with people that are relatively close to them. Christy mentioned those inner circles. Um, you know, most people don't just randomly walk up to someone and elicit a nude, right? Um, but but it's when we do build community, you know, those um, relationships that people start to feel like that they they can start to ask for those things that are um, a little more controversial. And um, I think helping children to understand what really healthy relationships, you know, whether that's boyfriend, girlfriend relationships, just peer to peer relationships. I think it's so important. The predators are every, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like everyone, every friend could be a predator, but I do think it's helpful to help them see what great, you know, what, what a great friend looks like and how to know when you, you know, you can trust someone. And I think sexting is just, that's just not something that's ever going to make a relationship better, especially in adolescence when you are trying to figure out who the heck you are. <laughs> yeah. And I just think some, some common sense stuff is that a 10 to 13 year old uh, should not be friends with people they don't know. Agreed. You know, my daughter had, not that this is something you're going to share, but my, my daughter was on, she has this Instagram account and uh, she sells watercolor cards, uh, cards for a cure to raise money for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. And um, a lady approached her and said, hey, I'd like you to, I'd like you to sell, she, she asked if she could befriend her, right? Like to follow her and then said, hey, I'd like you to, you're such a beautiful young lady. I'd like you to sell, uh, I'd love for you to pitch some of my products and I'll send you at a discount. You know, this whole thing on how to, you know, kind of luring her in and and my daughter came to me and she says, what, what do you think this is? And I said, well, I think you need to look her up. I think you need to figure out who she is and what she's about and, and, and do your research. This is not the only time this is going to happen to you. Um, and I think that's, I don't know, I just, those things are happening to them all the time. And my daughter goes, well, I like the idea of getting discounted makeup. And I'm like, of course you do. That's why she said it. There are some tactics that people use to try and lure you in. And I think we have to make children and adolescents aware of those. We know them for the most part as adults. We've seen them. The tricks are the same, but our adult, they're wrapped in different packages. And I think our, we have to help unpackage those for our youth so they know they can see right through it. Or at the very least, they know how to do their research and, you know, push them aside when they come at them. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think that's super helpful as, as parents. We, we can assume that our, our teens and our preteens know the tactics, but they don't. They do not. They do not. Yeah. They like, they like those buzzwords though. Free, you're beautiful. That's <laughs> what you can do. So they, they're susceptible. That's for sure. Yeah. Predators are good at marketing. Oh, brilliant. So Christy, do you have one more thing that you'd want to share? I, I just think it's very important that we develop that trust that, that comes when kids feel like they're strong enough and capable enough to do this themselves. And we do that through education. Education is power. And so this is, these are teaching moments and we just want to teach, teach, teach about these things because as we do that, then our kids will, will feel empowered enough that they can solve their own problems because we have set the, the dialogue up and helped them be able to, to see the path that they need to follow in order to solve their own problems and, and take care of themselves. That's great. Christy? I mean, Heather? Yeah. Um, I just, I, I am a fierce, fierce proponent for talking about all kinds of uncomfortable topics for our children um, as early as possible. Um, that's really what Christy and I were trying to do with this book is just open up the doors. Um, 
if we can do that, if we can just if have an inkling of desire from families to just start to have conversations, um, and this hopefully makes it a little bit easier, um, I think that we can help avoid a lot of the, you know, the tragedies that, that you've seen as a therapist, that Christy has seen, um, that I hear about in my classes. Um, there's a lot of focus on the negative, I think, in the world. And our, our kids have so much capacity for good. The very end of the book talks about like using technology for good. We really can help them steer away and channel. They have such capacity with it when it comes to technology. Um, if we can help empower them, like Christy said, to do some positive things on the internet, I think that they can get that same pleasure-seeking, exciting thrill in a way that's healthy, that's going to help them in the long run, um, that's going to, you know, set them up for long-term success rather than these, you know, pitfalls that we see happening with so many adolescents and teens. That's awesome. All right. So the million dollar question is, where can these moms find your book, Stand Up to Sexting, an open conversation for parents and kids? So it's on Amazon, Stand Up to Sexting. Make sure you use those exact words because there's lots of books on sexting, but um, they're not necessarily uh, about for children. They are. So I definitely would definitely stand up to sexting would be really important to type in. And um, it's it's available now. Wonderful. Wonderful. So um, if I have any moms who have any questions or would like to contact you, how could they do that? Uh, you can come to my website, www.christymonson.com, and they, all they have to do is leave a message and I'll get right back to them. Okay. And right. they are welcome to email. I can put my email in the chat. Okay. I'd love to, I'd actually love to get emails. That would be fun to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, y'all are, you're just so, I'm just so grateful for this conversation and for the two of you. And um, I have written, you know, I've written a book. I'm working on my second and it is an act of love. And uh, <laughs> so I want <laughs> as they laugh. I want to thank you for your act of love for writing this book. And um, I, I really recommend it. And it's super helpful. And I think the biggest gift of this book is it gives parents a place to start in knowing how to have this conversation. Yep. Yes. And it's really, really good for, uh, I, I think, like the 10 to 13 year old age. I think that's, that's awesome. So thank you so much and um, appreciate your time and your work and all that you're doing in the world. Thanks so much, Colleen. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I have some other great resources for you. You can head over to ColleenOGrady.com. That has two L's and two E's. You can sign up for my Dial Down the Drama triple pack. It's absolutely free. You get a copy of my free ebook, Seven Ways to Help Your Daughter and Yourself, a free chapter from my best selling and award winning book, Dial Down the Drama Reducing Conflict and Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, a Guide for Mothers Everywhere. And you get a free subscription to my weekly easing. If you're ready to pick up your copy of Dial Down the Drama, you can find it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. For daily encouragement, Follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Colleen O'Grady Dial Down the Drama.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.